Hey, everybody. Welcome. Everybody nice and rested, yeah? Got that bonus hour? Nice. Welcome to our guests. Everybody online, good to have you as well. Um, you know, a long time ago, old Ben Franklin said this. He said, it, if better is possible, then good's not enough. Aren't you glad that people really do think that way, that they haven't settled for good enough? Think about when it comes to just going to the bathroom that there are better ways to do it than they did long ago. Let me show you a slide from 1,800 years ago, a public toilet there. Aren't you glad somebody thought, you know what? We could do better than that. And then they came up with the outhouse. How many went to outhouse as a kid, right? Called it the privy, right? And they said, indeed, having your own private, personal, personal throne is much better than that. Wouldn't you agree? Aren't you glad that some doctors thought it, it wasn't good enough to amputate limbs for certain wounds, that we could, we could probably do something else for that. Aren't you glad that some thought candles are good, but I think we could do better. We could do light bulbs, right? Sewing machines, cotton gins, automobiles, power steering, ballpoint pens, pop-up toasters, electric can openers, um, all kinds of things to improve life and make it better. Leaf blowers, chainsaws, cordless drills, CDs and DVDs, head mics, all are better than what we used to have. Yeah, on Halloween, you could have uh, just handed out nuts and raisins like they did it in the old days, but somebody had a better idea. Hey, let's cover it in chocolate, right? Indeed, much better. So, sometimes when it comes to our own personal lives, we don't think like that. We just like, eh, it is what it is, good enough, and we let it go at that. And yet people are always trying to tweak things and make them better everywhere else. I mean, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, right? Inventors are always tweaking something to make things better, which is why my wife always, you know, does, why didn't you think of that first, right? We, wa we want to make things better, but we don't do that when it comes to, like, my marriage or my, my relationship with my kids or my, uh, my, my finances. Eh, good enough. And maybe you've settled for the status quo, uh, and you, you feel like stuck in a rut, and you're not quite sure how to get out of it. You're not even sure if better is possible. This is as good as it gets, so let's just settle for that. Or maybe you do believe it's possible, but you don't know what to do about it. And so, all right, we'll just settle for good enough. Hey, you know, come on, parents and kids just don't get along, so eh, it is what it is. Or, you know, every married couple has problems, so well, what we're going through is, is fine. Yeah, I wish I didn't have to live paycheck to paycheck, uh, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's the economy. Well, you know, I, I got a couple people that are kind of friends, but nobody really close. My job, yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's not exactly what I want to be doing. It's not really improving my future, but it's good enough. School, yeah. I mean, I do enough to get by. Good enough. It is, it's just a new normal. It's a depression, anxiety, stress, isolation. Huh? What are you going to do? Even when it comes to church, people can take that kind of attitude like, well, eh, Let's just watch online. If, if you can't make it to church, online is a wonderful thing. But I'm afraid we settle into this thing where like, eh, if virtual worship, virtual fellowship, that's good enough. Or just showing up to church once a month, eh, good enough. And we don't think things can get any better. And you might look at somebody like me and say, well, of course, it's easy for you to say you're a minister and your life's perfect, right? Yeah, not really so much. Um, no, I got 
my own problems. I got my, my family isn't perfect. There have been times leading this church where I've been tempted to think, eh, maybe this is as good as it gets. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I can get things any better. And you've been there. I felt like, oh, maybe, maybe I ought to just leave and, and things will get better. Thank you for not applauding for that. But there's just, you've been there. Like, I don't know if I can do any more than this. It is what it is. And here's the one common denominator in all those things. It's the choices we make. Right? It's always a choice about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to buy. I'm going to ignore a situation, just hope it gets better. That's my choice. And the truth is that I, I have made bad choices in my life, and I've made some good choices, but the truth is better choices lead to better outcomes, right? They lead to better results. The more and better choices you make, the better your outcomes are going to be, whether it's finances, relationships, and an amazing side benefit of all that is the better choices also equal fewer regrets. Wouldn't you love to live your life without regrets or at least fewer regrets and not have to carry all those regrets from the past about how you've hurt people, you've offended people, or you're carrying guilt, you're carrying shame? What a wonderful thing not to feel any regrets anymore. So, when we begin to believe that better is possible, then old Ben Franklin was actually right that good is not good enough. We're not going to settle for that. Better is possible. But actually, that's nothing new. That was said a long time ago, long before Ben Franklin. 3,000 years ago, the Proverbs said this, Proverbs 27, 12, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, prudent is not a word that we use a whole lot these days. Uh, that's the English Standard Version, which is the, the translation that we typically use around here. But I kind of like how the contemporary English version puts it in more uh, up-to-date language for us today. It says, be cautious and hide when you see danger. Don't be stupid and walk right into trouble. Right? We do that. We, we know it's coming, but we walk right into it. That would be like a, you know, a truck is in your lane coming right at you. The prudent would turn. The foolish would just keep on trucking themselves, head right into it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I knew if uh, I told that joke, it was going to offend my wife, it was going to embarrass my friend, but I went ahead and told it anyway because I wanted, I wanted the laughs. And I knew if I said that to her, it was going to wreck our friendship, but you know what? She deserved it. And I knew I should have posted that thing online, but, you know, it just kind of felt good to say that for everybody. I knew, I knew I probably shouldn't have bought that thing, but come on, I wanted it. How many arguments could be avoided? How many friendships could be salvaged? How many dollars could be saved if we were just a little bit more prudent, if we were more wise? Think about all the repercussions from the bad decisions. Still living with them today. Bad decisions from the past. After 40 years, I still got some stuff that I'm living with from way back then. I'm not going to highlight those things, but you know, You've got some too, but also some good decisions I made back then, like to go into ministry, to marry Penny. Better outcomes, right, because of better decisions. So here, you and I, we make decisions every day, and every choice is a decision to write a better story. You got a chance to write a better story. You're in a story. You're not at the end yet. There's still more to come. So who's going to write that story? Are you, are you going to let other people write it for you, or are you going to... Um, let the world write it for you, or are you going to be in control of your story? Make some better choices to get better outcomes. I think it's going to be worth the effort. So how can we learn to choose better more often? 
That's what we want to help you with in this series. Not only to believe that it's possible, but to show you how. And really it starts with this one word, pause. The prudent pause. <laughs> Think about it. you ever been blackmailed. And if, if you've ever been a parent of a three to five year old, you have been blackmailed, right? You go into the store, they see something they want, they grab it, put it back. No, I said put it back, and then it goes sonic, right? I mean, loud wailing and crying to make you feel bad and to make you look bad so they can get what they want. But you know our official policy on that. We do not negotiate with terrorists. But we all have this inner toddler in us too, right? Crying and whining for what we want to do uh, regardless of the consequences. How many times could I save myself time and money and energy if I had not given in to that little terrorist within me that was screaming and hollering in the moment and just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wait on that decision. I'm going to wait to do that thing or to say that or to buy that thing. Because, look, if I had just kept my mouth shut, if I had just run from that temptation, if I had just walked out of the store, if I just kept my eyes on the road or on that speed limit sign, things would have come out better. I had a lot fewer regrets. So before you take another drink, before you click another link, before you open another app, pause and question, is this a wise thing to do? What's the outcome? What are going to be the consequences of that? Because sometimes we go ahead and do that stuff against our better judgment. We know better, but we do it anyway. Foolishness. In fact, there are some great proverbs about the folly of being short-sighted. Read them out loud with me, okay? i got three of them. First one is Proverbs 14.29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. You're going to hear that word over and over hasty Proverbs 29 20 do you see a man who is hasty in his words there is more hope for a fool than for him and Proverbs 21 5 the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty in other words doing stuff in the moment as a reaction instead of a thoughtful wise response you can choose to respond with prudence again don't give someone else the power to write your story whether it's your inner toddler or um, or, or some other person and you know you can't control what other people are going to do or say and yes their bad choices often affect us but you don't have to let it define you you are in control so what do you do when somebody yells at you? You're going to yell back? Somebody insults you. You're going to insult back when somebody lies about you, accuses. What are you going to do? Well, they make me so mad. No, they don't. Anger is just a feeling. It's a natural emotion. But it's something completely under your control. You can choose not to respond in kind. Just earlier this year, I had somebody who used to be a good friend. But went public in calling me ugly kinds of things. And not only doing it publicly, but paying for it to be spread even further on social media. Now, I had a choice. How am I going to respond to this? Well, there's a way I felt like responding, and then a way that I chose to respond. I went ahead and wrote very measured words to say, hey, what's going on with that? And that response 
fixed everything. No, it did not. This person wrote me back with even more abusive stuff. So now what am I going to do? Well, now I think I'm going to wait a whole day. And I did. And then I waited another day and another day. And at that point, I thought, what's the point of even responding? I just walked away and let it be. I'm glad I didn't respond in haste because it would have simply been hurtful. It wouldn't have accomplished anything. Maybe you need to pause right now. Pause 30 days before you make a final decision on what you're going to do about your marriage. Pause three days about that relationship you're in. What's the wise thing? Pause three hours before you decide to make that purchase. Walk away for a little bit. Wait three minutes before you say that word you know you shouldn't say. I mean, just give it some time. Give it at least a day before you accept that job offer, before you accept that invitation to go out on a date or that invitation to a party. What's the prudent thing to do? I'm not going to be pressured by anyone, even by my inner toddler. I'm not going to make a choice without pausing and choosing what's better. Now, the first step is so powerful. That can save you from a whole lot of regrets. But now what? Okay, I paused. Now I'm going to search for better. Today you can search for so many helpful things, like online, you go look on YouTube for a video on how to fix your car, how to fix up your house. You can find all kinds of articles on marriage and parenting. You can go online and search for help on your money management, you know, your mortgage, your insurance and investments. There's an app for everything. All kinds of knowledge. But you know knowledge isn't wisdom. Knowledge may not even be good. It, how do you know that knowledge, those facts are facts? How do you know somebody's not telling you something that's a lie, something that's misguided, misinformation? How do you know um, the reviews are all correct? Uh, who, is anybody doing any fact-checking? And who's fact-checking the fact-checkers? And even if it is correct information, is it stuff that applies to my life? Uh, is, am I just looking for something that's going to confirm what I want, what I already believe, or am I going to search for what I really do need? These are the questions that wisdom asks. When you search for wisdom, when you search for what's better, you get wisdom. Better is wisdom. Wisdom discerns what's best. You know, the, some of the smartest people in the world make some of the most foolish decisions because they got the knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it correctly. I mean, that is what a wise person does. I think some of our greatest regrets are preceded by a whole series of unwise decisions. And where are you going to find this wisdom? Well, you, you go back to the source, go like to the book of Proverbs. Most of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived. And yet you know the story. He did a lot of foolish things himself. But while he's writing Proverbs, at least, he was at the top of his game. He, he, was, he was a serious, wise guy at that point, and he starts off the book, the first few chapters, he personifies wisdom as a she, and I'm sure all the ladies would agree with that, and all the men would be foolish not to agree with that, but here's what he says about wisdom, Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So God not only is the source 
but he gives you the understanding on how to apply that knowledge. That's what keeps us on the right path. Wisdom is like guardrails to keep us from making a, a mess of things, right? From making foolish choices. And the more wise choices I make, the more it's going to lead to better outcomes, which leads to our big idea. is God's wisdom makes better possible. It's got to start with God's wisdom. And maybe you've always heard or you thought, well, I know God cares about my eternity, but does he really care about my today and my future here? Well, yeah. I mean, Jesus wants to give us a good life, but not necessarily according to the world. You know, I'm not talking about the prosperity, health, wealth, and success kind of stuff because you're always going to have trials and tribulations as a believer. In fact, you might even have more, like the old blues song, you know, trouble, trouble, trouble. That's, that's not going away. But wisdom makes better possible. It can make your marriage better. It can make your relationships with your parents, your kids better. It can make your finances better. Make your job better. My perspective better. My choices better. So would you be willing to search in his word? Would you be willing to try his ways? Now, again, I don't know if you're new here, if you're not a believer in Christ. I'm glad you're here exploring. You, you, you may not be the place where I'm ready to, to go all in on this, but look, I'm glad you're open to it, and I would challenge you to try it. Give it, give it a try. See if things don't get better by following God's ways. In fact, Solomon shares what this search should look like in Proverbs 2. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you will seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. So what are your ears attentive to what wavelength are you on are you tuned into what God is saying or what the world is saying what is your heart inclined to believe what God says or whatever you want see I, I want to find better so that means I got to search for it because you're not going to find it out in the world just lying around and you stumble over it that means you got to really seek it like you're you're walking along the beach looking for treasure Right, you got your metal detector, you're scanning everything, and when you find it, you start digging down deep. Right, because we know where to, where to find buried treasure, right? like where X marks the spot. That's the source. And you're not going to find this out in the world. You've got to dig for it. So this series is about asking better questions. And the first question we're going we're to deal with, whenever you've got to make a choice, is what is the wise thing to do? I'm not going to make a decision until I understand the wise thing. And that's going to save you a whole lot of tears. It's going to turn things away, around for you. And there's a, a tremendous clarity that comes with it. Because again, most people don't plan to mess up their lives. They just don't plan not to. They don't stay on the right path. So are you willing to seek out the wise thing, not just the easy thing, the comfortable thing, the quick thing, but what does God say? Where is God's wisdom? You say, well, how do we apply that in our family? Glad you asked. Our next-gen team came up with a way to focus on this in your homes, that you would have some better conversations and learn how to deal with everyday life looking through a biblical lens. So they're, they're challenging you over the next 40 days to share a family meal 20 times. So half 
the time, have a meal together. It doesn't have to be some fancy homemade meal. Order pizza, it doesn't matter. But we've provided an, a resource for you. It's a what's for dinner guide to make it super easy. You can pick it up at the kids' check-in area on site or go on to our website, southpointccc.com slash kids. Make sure you, you take up that challenge. God's wisdom makes better possible. We want to help you find it. We, we want to help you find a rhythm to help you establish it for this next month or so. Um, to choose the better. And here, here's what it starts with. We've, we've talked about pause, search for wisdom, then ask questions about how to apply it, and then do it. That's how you choose better. I'll give you some examples. Say, well, my parents and I are estranged. All right, were you just going to react to that in the moment, or are you going to search for the wise thing to do? My spouse and I aren't getting along too well. Okay, are you going to pause? and search for the wise thing. Well, my, my kid's kind of out of control right now. All right, well, what's the wise thing when it comes to their schooling? Uh, when it comes to how they spend their time? Are you showing them the value? What's valuable to me? I, I mean, am I... Because am I, look, I've even seen this in churches. Uh, I've seen churches literally offer material incentives for people to show up. If you show up to church, we will give you $10. Seriously. Or you will be entered in a, into a drawing to win a 70-inch TV. I'm, okay, that probably works. People do show up for that. Who wouldn't? But those are people searching for silver, not for the knowledge of God. And so it, it doesn't matter just to have somebody sitting in a seat. Why are you there? Okay, so how about with your kids? Are you showing them, by example, to value God and church more than activities and entertainment? My, my free time is spent doing things that really aren't making life any better. It's not improving anything. It's not helping anybody else. What's the wise thing to do with my time? My finances, it feels like my income is always being outpaced by my deficits and my debt. Is there a wise way to better handle what God's entrusted to me? My health, it's, it's okay, but I kind of feel lousy a lot of the time. Is there a better way to take care of myself and to get in better shape? Or am I going to settle for good enough is good enough? Will you choose to believe that better is possible? Are you willing to pause and choose something better this week? And a way to do that, again, is to dig in. Maybe go to the book of Proverbs. It's 31 chapters, one a day. That'll take you through a month. There's a lot of treasure in there. That's what is going to make life a little bit better for you, I think, in the week ahead. Or, or at least ask a friend. What does the Bible say about the situation that I'm going through? God really does care not only about your eternity, but your everyday life, about your future. So are you willing to seek his wisdom? Who are you going to let write your story? Are you, your inner toddler, somebody else, the world, or are you going to let the one who died for you on the cross to show you how much he cares, to prove to you his love for you, the one who rose from the dead to prove to you that he is God, that he is the source of all wisdom? Who's going to write your story? If you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, then I want to urge you, challenge you to uh, make that decision, the best decision 
you'll ever make in your whole life. Text your name or email your name in, or better if you're on site, come down in the next few moments, a little bit later here, music's going to be playing. Come talk to somebody here waiting for you who can answer your questions, pray with you, help you take your next step, get baptized into Christ, whatever it is. Maybe your next step is just to come back next week because we're just getting started. Bring somebody with you. You know, I think when it comes to, to God, we often think, well, being good is good enough. I mean, look around. I'm as good as anybody else. In fact, I'm probably better than most people. I'm certainly not as bad. And if there really is a hell, I'm not bad enough to go there. I'm better than that. I haven't done that many bad things. I'm not the best person in the world. But certainly, I'm good enough. You know, if, if we were to die tonight and you stand before God and He says, why should I let you into my heaven? Most people are going to say, because I've been good. Because we tend to overestimate our goodness. And we underestimate our badness, right? And here's the problem with that. Being good will never be good enough. You can even promise God, like, Lord, from this day forward, I will, I will do so much better. In fact, I'm going to be perfect from here on out. And a couple problems with that. Number one is, ain't going to happen. You can improve. You can get better. But heaven is not the good place for relatively good people, it's a perfect place prepared for perfect people. You're disqualified. I'm disqualified. And if even we could be perfect, what are you going to do about all the bad things you already did? Being good will never be good enough to erase what you've already done. So what do you need? You need grace. You need forgiveness. You need a, a clean slate, a fresh start. And only Jesus can offer you that because only he took your place on the cross. He suffered the hell that you did deserve. And only he can fill you with his spirit to help you do better. So you're not just trying in your own efforts and strength. He actually strengthens you to live a more godly life. No, you're not going to be perfect in this life, but you're going to do a whole lot better. And because of Christ in you, God will let you into heaven because in his eyes, you are sinless. Jesus has forgiven you of all of that. So if that's what you're looking for, I hope that's the step you will take today. It would be the wise thing to do. And I just want to end real quick again by mentioning something because God's wisdom not only applies to our personal lives but to, to our world. And I want to remind you there's a really important election on Tuesday where we're voting on this proposal three thing and you've heard me talk about it before and you know we don't talk about politics here we don't promote candidacies that's I'm, I'm all about leading people to Jesus and teaching God's word truthfully and accurately but that's going to affect every part of your life right there's wisdom for everything and that can affect the way we vote too and this proposal is something different than anything I've seen before uh, this is something really wrong because it is written in such a confusing, general way that it's going to take things far beyond what Roe versus Wade ever was and make abortion for any reason, any age, any stage uh, possible and without parental consent or knowledge. In fact, it would allow minors, your children, to be able to make their own choices about the rest of their lives by um, hormone blockers, puberty blockers, sex change, surgeries, 
sterilizations, abortions, all of that is included in this. And a lot of people don't know that. They, they have been told, no, it, it has nothing to do with that. But that's not the truth. Uh, it absolutely does allow for that to happen. It's going to be right in our state constitution. So this is something that attacks our children. It attacks families. And it's something we have to say something about because this isn't just politics. This is about morality. This is about religion. This is about our rights as parents to have authority over our children. It's a God-given right to life as well. So we got to say to the government, hands off our kids, and we're never going to stop fighting for the lives of the unborn because every child is created in the image of God and should have a right to life, and parents should have a right to exercise their authority over their children. And through Christ, we want to give them a better life, a better future. There's too much at stake for us to do nothing on this one. In fact, I've got a really personal stake in this because I want to show you my second grandchild that is 10 weeks old just now. That child deserves life as does every other child that's conceived. So that's why I'm very passionate about this issue. So tomorrow at 7 o'clock, if you want to come back, we're going to have a prayer meeting in one of the rooms out there. Not only praying about this and the election, we're going to pray about anything, about whatever needs you have. We would love to have you come back for that. And of course, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what bad choices you've made, no matter what regrets you're carrying, God is so caring. He is so forgiving and merciful that we can find new life and hope and a better future, better outcomes, fewer regrets if we turn to him. So during these next few moments, uh, we're going to share in communion. If you're a follower of Christ, you get the bread and the cup when you come in because they remind us of the body and blood of Christ shed for us for all the wrongs we've ever done and ever will do. They're covered by his grace. If you're not a follower of Christ, this is also just a good time to quietly reflect, to think, maybe to pray. For all of us, a time to think about if there's something we need to repent of or we just need to be refreshed for the week ahead. This is not only a solemn memorial, but it's a celebration of his grace. So join me together in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for uh, taking hell for us on the cross and giving us heaven. Lord, we're asking that you would help us to do better in our homes and on the job and in our church. God, help us to do better in, in the words we use and in our use of time and money. And you, you said, if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it. And Lord, we're asking, give us discernment to make prudent choices. And Lord, we're so grateful that we, we don't have to be bound by the past anymore, but that you give us a better future. We pray for these things and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So while the music plays, you're free to come to the front to talk, to pray, or to share communion.